Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors, just like you, about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. Hello, and welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast, where my co-host David Partain and I talk with thought leaders throughout the advisory industry. We seek to invite guests that will provide unique insights and actionable ideas for advisors that want to fine-tune or grow their businesses, all while deepening client relationships. And today, we're going to talk about a topic that can be tremendously difficult for many of us to broach. It's talking about money, understanding our worth and advocating for ourselves to be compensated for the value that we bring. You know, there's always been a lot of discussion about how women need to learn to negotiate better for themselves, and I believe that that's true. However, I really don't think it's just a women's issue. David, what do you think? Oh, I totally agree. I definitely have the harder time between my wife and and I. She is much better at it. In fact, we are having a some work done on the house and I could not for the life of me. And this is not necessarily about money, get the plumber to show up. Not only (laughs) did she get the plumber to show up, she got him to lower his price. So yeah, I definitely depend on my wife. Today, we are delighted to welcome Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert who is passionate about helping people break their money silence. And in 2017, Kathleen literally wrote the book on this titled, Breaking Money Silence. She also has a podcast of the same name dedicated to giving listeners and their advisors the tools to help them understand what's holding them back when it comes to having those really important money conversations. Kathleen's work has been featured in the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, PBS NewsHour, Forbes, and CNBC, among many other outlets. She also serves as an adjunct faculty member of finance at Bentley University and Champlain College. And when she's not working, Kathleen is an avid alpine skier who lives for the next powder day. Kathleen, I'm so excited to have you join the Flexible Advisor podcast. I am too, Laura and David. It's really exciting to be here and uh, break money silence with you. Wow, you have been featured in a lot of venues, and we really appreciate you coming on here. Kathleen, the topic of money is truly a difficult one, as you heard, in my experience, for many people to approach. Yet we know as financial professionals how important it is to be paid fairly and to ensure that we as advisors put a sound financial plan in place. I'd love to know what it was that at first attracted you to this topic. Were there things you noticed on your own journey that inspired you, or was it the stories you heard along the way? It's interesting, David. It's actually a little bit of both. I mean, I, from a very early age, was very interested in talking about things I wasn't supposed to talk about in my family. So I was (laughs) born with that gift of shattering taboos and labeling the elephant in the room. 
But as I progressed in my own professional career, what I realized was that I was taught a lot about the dollars and cents when it comes to money. I was very fortunate. My parents taught me how to balance a checkbook, how to read bills, you know, how to do basic finance and savings. But I didn't really understand how to negotiate a salary, how to talk about my feelings about money, and all that other emotional stuff. And so as I started to travel around the United States and Canada training financial advisors, I'd hear more and more and more about they wanted to have these conversations with their clients that emotionally based and value based. And at the same time, my work with clients taught me that clients don't think advisors do that. So breaking money silence and the whole movement that I started in 2017 was really about closing that gap and helping people talk about a taboo subject, especially the human side of finance, both from the advisor's side of things as well as their clients. And I'm happy to report that it's really been a fun project to break money, talk taboos with people, and it's been very well received. So when you say breaking your money silence, what exactly does that mean? Well, in my definition, it, it, money silence is that uncomfortable feeling that many of us get when we are engaged in a financial conversation. And when you look at the statistics, what you'll find is about almost half of Americans are uncomfortable talking about personal finance. They'd rather talk about death, dying, politics, although I don't know if that's changed recently, or religion. And when it comes to women, it's actually a little bit higher. 61% of women would rather talk about their own death than talk about finance with a loved one. And so money silence is really looking at what is it that's keeping us in that place of discomfort? What are the topic areas that are uncomfortable? And how do we teach people the skills to be able to express not only the dollars and cents, emotionally feeling about it. So money silence may appear in your life in a variety of different ways, and it happens for advisors. It also happens for clients, but it, it often is little pockets. So an example would be, David, that I can certainly talk and negotiate the heck out of something when I am shopping. Uh, I was taught very early on to be a thrifty Yankee, and I'm really good at getting a bargain. The flip side is when I became a professional and I had a business for myself, I didn't realize it for a while, but I had a lot of trouble asking and getting paid what I was worth because I thought it was rude or unnecessary or somehow people would just pay me because I was doing a good job. So when it comes to money silence, just know that even if you think, oh, I'm good at talking about money, know that often there are pockets of discomfort that all of us have that we need to bust through and be more open about it. Yeah, I totally agree with you, Kathleen. I was just talking to my son this weekend and he was talking about how he needs to ask for a raise. And I told him that that is one of the hardest subjects for most people to approach. And yet it's the most important one because like you said, most of us, or at least for me, I feel like, oh, I'm doing a good job, they'll pay me. But that's, that's really interesting. I loved how you framed that. So last year, FlexShares conducted a survey of high net worth primary breadwinners, and some of our findings are really surprising to Laura and I. One in particular was that the high net worth primary breadwinner men in our survey were actually more likely to identify as conservative investors versus high net worth primary breadwinner women. 
there were other findings as well that really broke some longstanding industry. And I have to say personal stereotypes that I had. And I'm wondering how much you see money silence as a woman's issue versus a man's issue. And are there things you've learned along the way that might surprise us on a gender front? Actually, David, that's a great question. It's actually an equal opportunity problem. And so there are a lot of myths out there about women and money. One of them is that we don't negotiate as oft men do. And while that used to be true in the past, it no longer is. Women typically negotiate as much as men, but we are often perceived different. So I think the part that's trickier for women is that there is this double bind, that if we ask for a raise or we ask for higher fees, we are perceived as aggressive, uh, maybe not feminine, whereas a man would be perceived as assertive and doing what's right by him and his family. So I think that's where the difference is, not in the actual mindset around negotiation and the ability to do it, but what actually happens when we speak up in any silence and ask for more money. You know, Kathleen, uh, years ago, I was told, and, and for whatever reason, I've been fortunate that I have been more able than many of my female friends and some of my male friends to have these hard conversations. But I'd say it was about uh, 15 years ago or so, I asked for a raise. I was working with a gentleman who we were about the same age, both had families, and I was told that he had to provide for his family where I has had the help of a spouse. Now that is just wrong on so many levels. Yes. We don't need to go there, but it continues to exist. And there's an advisor that, that I know that has been a terrific advocate for clients on this front. And a few years ago, when I was thinking about uh, conducting that, that high net worth uh, research that we ultimately did, I, I reached out to her and was dropping ideas on her. And I, I said, I want to know what you do differently for your female clients. And of course, yeah, she told me, I treat all of my clients the same. I mean, all of them are unique and I don't do anything based on gender. And I, and I kept pushing and prodding and pulling. And then almost by accident, she said, well, you know, there is something, Laura, that that I do more for my female clients than my male clients. Now, her practice is built of uh, physicians. And she began to notice, because she worked with so many physicians in this metro area, that the male clients were getting paid much more than her female doctors. They were getting offers that were, at some point, 40% above the initial offer that her female clients were getting. So she's taken it upon herself, and I think they brought in uh, somebody in the firm to help with this, but to identify where those issues are and to coach the clients to negotiate. And in some cases, I think she's even gone into the, the hospital systems to do the negotiations on behalf of her clients. And I'm just curious, what what you're seeing, are you seeing advisors do that sort of coaching to help their clients break their money silence? And are there steps that advisors can take to make a real impact for their clients? First of all, I absolutely love that story. I would love to meet that advisor because I do think there are advisors out there that are adding value. 
in a variety of different ways. And what's really interesting about that story is often they're not even aware that that's how they're adding value. So that's where the coaching really comes in. In terms of you know, breaking money silence around negotiation, one of the things I started to think about about a year ago was the idea that, okay, if women tend to struggle more, and when I say struggle more because of the gender wage gap, because of the perception of them as they negotiate and how tricky that can be still, even for the next generation, so even for millennials, that wouldn't it be great if advisors could coach their clients to negotiate more confidently, more often? Because as we know, if your client makes more money, they're going to have more assets to invest. So it's a win-win. And also it provides a value add that really sets you apart in the marketplace. And what I've discovered is that advisors' hearts may be in the right place, but often they don't have the time or the skill to be able to do it justice. And so with this advisor, it sounds like she's passionate about it and that's what she adds to the mix. With other advisors, what I found is they really want to be able to refer that out or to bring somebody in to speak about it. And that's where someone like me comes in because I can present and educate and coach somebody in a way that maybe the advisor can't. Just like I can't do the financial advisor's job, I wouldn't be any good at it. (laughs) And so I think that uh, moving forward, especially in the environment with COVID, it's really thinking through how do you add these pieces to your practice? And how, as a financial advisor, are you uniquely positioned to be able to empower your clients to break money silence around certain areas of their life? And when it comes to female breadwinners, millennial professional women, career women, and I don't want to leave the men out, David, and men who struggle with this issue, it is a great uh, value add. And trust me, if you end up helping somebody get a raise or they're starting a new business and negotiate a better fee or a better contract, are they not going to remember you forever? I know I would. So I think it's a great opportunity for advisors. Yeah. And and I'm sure that those people are talking about their advisor to whomever will listen. I know I would be. So whether or not we feel confident in negotiating, I, I think most of us understand that we should be negotiating to ensure we're fairly compensated for the value that we're providing. You know, that goes for advisor services as well as for their clients. You know, however, we have to acknowledge that 2020 has really dealt some tough blows to all of us. There are so many people out of work, and while very unfortunately, it's the lower paid non-professionals that are bearing the brunt of this poor labor market, we know it's also impacting professionals. So how do you negotiate an environment like this? I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you would suggest for advisors for themselves and their own services and also for coaching their clients. It's just such a strange time to be asking for a raise when everything around us seems to be so challenging right now. Well, it is a great question because context is everything. And certainly it has been a challenging year for every single one of us. And so when I think about negotiating. And I think about what I do for my clients or what I encourage advisors to do with their clients. The first step is to explore your negotiation mindset. What are your automatic thoughts and beliefs about negotiating and how do they add 
strength to your position as a negotiator and what are some of the roadblocks. Now, layer on top of that, COVID, the pandemic, everything that's going on in the economy, and that gets really tricky, right, for all of us. I can tell you when this first hit, the first thing I did was sit there and think, what can I offer advisors for free? Because nobody's going to pay me anymore. (laughs) So that was my negotiation mindset. I wanted to be there for people. However, over time, both I did this for myself and I coach advisors to help their clients do this as well. We need to think about how can we reframe it? So you can think of COVID and the pandemic, clearly a horrible thing, but in terms of negotiating and asking for more money, you can look at it as, wow, I shouldn't ask for more money, everybody's in crisis, or wait a second, my value is the same, if not more, because I'm going to help my firm, my company pivot and respond to something that's never happened before. So it could be that your mindset is COVID means I can't negotiate, I have to just be happy to get a job, or COVID means that I am just as valuable as before, and maybe even more so because I'm going to help this company, this firm, this client get through a very tough situation. So it really comes down to that mindset. Wow, I think those are really great ways to think about it. And um, David, I hope you don't mind, but we'll be talking about some of those things in our review this year. I love that. Put David right on the spot. The other thing I just want to say is, you know, I practice what I preach. So this is the first time I've said this publicly, but I, like a lot of people, COVID hit, I charged, you know, rates that I thought I could charge. And then I thought, well, wait a second, how am I less valuable virtually than I am in person? Like I'm still teaching the same content. Clearly, I don't have to travel. And so I up my rates. So I'm practicing what I preach, and I encourage advisors to also role model and practice what they preach to their clients as well. So I think, David, you're in for an interesting conversation with Laura shortly. Well, I actually do like Laura a lot and respect the work that she does. So bring it on. So when we were we were talking and trying to figure out if a podcast made sense for uh, us to do with you, you mentioned something that that really got me excited. And and it was not that everything else wasn't great, but it was really excited to talk to you about it today. And it was around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And uh, as our listeners know, Flexures has done both advisor and investor research on the topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it's something that David and I are both passionate about personally, but also flex shares in the greater Northern Trust as an organization. And so I'm hoping that you'll share with our listeners uh, what piqued your desire to make an impact and, and how are you working to do that in your firm? Sure. I have been passionate about equity and inclusion for many years now. Uh, As somebody with white privilege, I realized a couple of years ago that maybe I wasn't doing justice for people of color, people who identify um, as trans, people with different sexual orientations. And so very privately, I made a commitment to learn more and to be more inclusive. And then 2020 hit. And I have to tell you, I was, and still am at times, enraged as to what I am learning about. 
And so instead of walking around the house and the office angry all the time, I decided I'm going to take action and use the small platform that I have to make a difference. So a couple of things that I did personally have included that I went back and looked at my own podcast, Breaking Money Silence. And I knew I had diverse guests on, but I didn't realize how low that number was. So I made a commitment that going forward, 50% of my guests would be diverse. So no longer just white women, white men. We were really going to um, change it up. And since then, I have had the most fascinating, interesting conversations. I've been really excited about what I'm learning. So certainly, I think it benefits my audience, and it also benefits um, myself as well. The next thing I did is really looked at when I am presenting, whether it's presenting on how to give financial advice to couples, how to give financial advice to women, or the topic we're talking about today, I really thought, how can I bring in these multiple different lenses? And so in every talk that I'm doing going forward, and I've already started this process, I'm including different lenses. So it's not just, gen it's the generation lens, which we've been talking about, but it's the cultural and racial lens. It's the social economic lens. It's the religious or spirituality lens. And so really rounding out and giving somebody, uh, the advisors, or if I'm talking with end clients, really an opportunity to think about how their money story is influenced by so many things and how that is going to influence how they talk or don't talk about money. And the last thing, did decide to volunteer and join an equity and inclusion committee uh, for the Financial Therapy Association. And so that's just another way in which I'm making a commitment. And so I am somebody that when I get upset, I take action. And so I'm doing all of that as well as uh, reading some really great books uh, about the topic as well. So I'm so glad to hear Fleck shares uh, shares my passion and my concern because I feel like together we can make a big, big difference in the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, we we have to be talking about this. I, I know David and I were presenting on a uh, Quad A, the Association of African American uh, Advisors event, and and I said very candidly to one of the the members that we we felt a little bit strange, right, as middle aged white people talking about diversity. And his comment to me was really heartening and it helped me get over that fear of, you know, why we were talking about this and not somebody of color. And he said, the bottom line is we all have to be talking about it. And if we're not talking about it, then we're not, it's not going to go anywhere. And so just thrilled to hear all of the things that you're doing and, and we just have to have a larger voice in the advisory industry. Yeah, and it's, it's actually really enriched my life. My husband and I have had wonderful conversations. He happens to be a middle-aged white man. He'll love that I referred to him that way. And, you know, really talking about what we, can we do in our lives to, you know, shift and change things. So, yeah, I think it fits right in with the work I've done all along. It's just an extension and a broadening of it. So I don't know who this middle-aged white David is because I'm, I'm an old white <laughs> David. So, oh, did I so, call him David? His name's Brian. <laughs> no, I think he was referring. I was referring to, to myself. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> so, wow, you, you—if you can get me a raise, I would definitely remember you. Just 
Just saying. We'll talk offline. I'll okay, hook you thank up. You. Thank you. So this has been a really wonderful conversation with a lot of things to think about. While you've already provided a lot of actionable takeaways, I'm wondering if you would leave us with one or two key action items that you think advisors should take right now. Yeah, I think the first place to start for anybody, advisors included, is to take time and really think about what you were taught about negotiation growing up. I call this your negotiation mindset. And all you need to do is spend five or 10 minutes and write down every thought you have about negotiating. And chances are, those are the thoughts and beliefs you were taught growing up, either through someone sitting you down and verbally telling you this, or through observing uh, your parents or important uh, adults in your life and how they negotiated. And so you can do that digitally. You can do that in a good old-fashioned journal like I do. But put those, those thoughts down on a piece of paper. Don't judge them. Then the second step is the next time you are in a negotiation or coaching a client around a negotiation, notice which of those thoughts come up. And does that particular thought, that particular mindset, help you in that situation or does it provide a roadblock? And if it's a roadblock, then it's really thinking about how you can shift that, which is the work that I often do with people. If it's a strength, then certainly use it because we all have both the strengths and the challenges. And if we start with our negotiation mindset and really become consciously aware of what we're telling ourselves and then how we're telling our clients to negotiate, that is going to help us start to shift and change and become more effective in breaking money silence around that topic. The last thing I want to share uh, with both of you and your audience is that I did spend some of my time during the initial shutdown in COVID developing something that I'd wanted to develop for a long time. It's called the Breaking Money Silence Learning Lab. It's an online educational portal. Uh, right now, it's just for women entrepreneurs and women professionals. However, it's going to be expanding over time. And I am offering training, both free training as well as paid training on negotiating. So an advisor can check that out for free by going to breakingmoneysilence.com backslash negotiation dash four dash free. Maybe you can put that in the show notes. And they also can refer a client to it and see if that's something that might help you in your coaching with your clients or help yourself. And David, just because you're, uh, because you're a man doesn't mean you can't check it out and give me your perspective on how I can develop more resources for the men out there as well. I would do that, Kathleen. I would love that. You bet. Well, thanks again for joining us today and for a delightful conversation. I have really enjoyed uh, breaking money silence with both of you and talking about taboo topics. Well, thank you again. As Laura mentioned earlier, if you'd like to know more about KBK Wealth Connection, just go to www.kbkwealthconnection.com. That's kbkwealthconnection.com. And again, check out Kathleen's book, Breaking Money Silence. For myself and Laura Gregg, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on today's episode of The Flexible Advisor. Thank you for listening to the Flexible Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. 
Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foresight Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice. Please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.